0: He's amused Cam Newton. <laughs> he's been insulted by Charles Barkley. When some idiot in the press asked him, if you know what you know now, what you have schedule this game. He's interviewed Matthew McConaughey. I do say go target. And he's taken on Big Blue Nation. Yeah, he, he's just completely taken the wind out of my sails. <laughs> it's time for The Drive with Josh Graham. You are on a Tuesday
1: Drive. WSJS, News Talk Sports for the Triad. Where our batteries are fully charged on the heels of this long, rainy Memorial Day weekend we just had. And we've got some massive college basketball news to start our week off with. How about that? Five-star point guard Elliot Cadeau, who was part of North Carolina's number one recruiting class for 2024, announced on social media today. He isn't waiting till 2024. Instead, he's going to reclassify and enroll in Chapel Hill next month, which means the Tar Heels have their new point guard. And if you're concerned that Cadeau might not fit well in the backcourt with R.J. Davis, don't be. Cadeau and R.J. Davis are a great fit. This is a perfect tandem for Carolina, and here's why. Cadeau is a pass-first point guard. He's not ball-dominant. Translation, he's the exact opposite of Caleb Love. For all the reasons you might have felt over the last three seasons, that it was a strange backcourt fit between RJ and Caleb, you're not going to get that with Cadeau and RJ next season. Cadeau, he's expected to be the best passing point guard that North Carolina's had since Kendall Marshall. We're talking about over a decade. W.D.'s a Tar Heel fan. He just grimaced the thought of that. I'd be interested no, that to was, know. No, that was actually a big smile. Just... just That it. was a grimace. It looked like you wanted to disagree with that. No, no, I don't no. know who you were thinking in your head first, whether it was Joel Berry or Marcus Page. It's certainly not Kobe White. I mean, both of those guys are up there. No, I agree with you. I don't know how that came off as a grimace. Best but. passing point guard since Kendall Marshall, and that's a decade. You're talking about a five-star point guard. Number 12 player in this year's class would have been a top five player in next year's class, according to 24-7. North Carolina hasn't had a point guard this good, hasn't had a recruit this good in three years. That's how big of a deal this headline today is. And focusing specifically on RJ, this is going to allow RJ to focus on his shooting and his playmaking, not having to initiate the offense. Think about this. He was a 36% three-point shooter last year. That's not a bad percentage, especially when you consider how many catch-and-shoot opportunities do you think he got with Caleb Love initiating things at points. That ball, he's a black hole when he gets the ball. He's not dishing it to RJ for many of those catch-and-shoot looks. There's not a lot of playmaking on this roster, or at least there wasn't last year. It was a big problem with North Carolina offensively. That's why they were one of the worst teams in the ACC when it came to assists. Why? Because the only guy who was really good at passing the ball was R.J. Davis. Now, R.J. has a really good passer at point guard who could set him up and probably boost up that three-point shooting percentage to closer to 40%. And R.J., as we saw in flashes against Baylor in the NCAA tournament run, and there are other games you could pull certainly too, he could be an excellent playmaker if he gets the opportunity to do that, and this allows that for him. This will unlock that for him. Hubert Davis, the next step's going to be interesting. He still has two more scholarships to fill, and likely the place he's going to go is bringing in a big We don't know if it's going to be a starting caliber big or a rotation guy, somebody you can bring on the bench. I don't mean this with disrespect, but like a Justin McCoy type, somebody you can eat up minutes. Armando Bacot and Jalen Washington. Those are the only two true big men they have on the roster. They need more than that. They need to add somebody. If it's not a starting caliber four, then you're going to be looking at a very small starting five with Cadeau, RJ and Cormac Ryan in the backcourt and playing the four, Harrison Ingram, the transfer from Stanford, who's only around six foot seven, maybe six foot eight. I think it's six foot seven. And then you got Armando in the post. Armando! So if they bring in a starting caliber big, you can bring Cormac Ryan off of the bench. If you don't, then you go with that really small lineup. But focusing on the backcourt, Elliot Kondo, He's a perfect point guard to pair with R.J. Davis. On Twitter, at WSJS Radio, if you want in. That's where we're streaming video in addition to YouTube and Twitch. The often grimacing Will Dalton, the executive (laughs) producer of this show, is taking your calls at 336-777-1600. W.D., how did you spend your Memorial Day weekend? A lot of relaxing. I actually
2: went to several grocery stores. I went to a fresh market for the first time. They had like a coffee machine with raw coffee beans in it. Okay. So that was cool. Went to Barnes and Noble, read some books. I'm
1: refreshed. I'm ready to go. Good to know. Smiling. That is a smile. That's different <laughs> than what you had. <laughs> I don't know how it a came few a ago. It's very strange. Fortunately, we have it on video. So yeah, yeah we do. You we'll can probably go it. back and see whether or not it was a grimace, or <laughs> if it was in fact uh, a pure smile. There's a reason we work in radio, I guess. Regardless of what sport you're talking about, shifting things a bit. It's not easy to be on an NCAA tournament selection committee. It is not an easy job. It's a thankless job because regardless of what happens, you'll never make anybody happy. There's going to be somebody who's mad. There's going to be something to gripe about. There always is. However, if I believe that if you're going to be critical of somebody, like we were in March talking about Clemson not getting into the NCAA tournament, how ridiculous that was, and just hammering the basketball committee for the seeding of these Big Ten teams and these SEC schools that haven't proven anything yet continue to get all these bids. If we're going to be that critical, it's only right to give them flowers, as the kids say, give them their flowers, when they deserve to have them. Which brings us to Wake Forest, who I felt as the number one overall seed in baseball was treated with the proper respect, the proper level of respect by the selection committee yesterday. Regionals were announced, and they're in a region with Maryland, Northeastern, and George Mason. This is what impressed me from the committee. Think about this. A record happened yesterday. A record was made. A record was set in the state of North Carolina. A record eight, eight bids went to North Carolina schools, yet there was only one in-state regional site, and that was in Winston-Salem. No other of the remaining seven that made the tournament were sent to the most regionally convenient location in Winston-Salem. Why? Because Wake's the number one seat. You got these other teams that made it, many of them, from the state of North Carolina, are too good for it to be fair to send them to the number one seeds region. So shout out to the committee not doing the easy thing, which would have been sending East Carolina or sending Campbell to Winston-Salem or sending NC State or sending UNCW even, and instead giving Wake Forest the easiest region they could because they earned that in the regular season. Nobody in this region is all that daunting. Oh, but Josh, Maryland just won the Big Ten. Wait, they play baseball in the Big Ten? I didn't know. When when do you ever remember a, a Big Ten baseball moment? And when you think baseball, college baseball, you think ACC, you think SEC, Big Ten, or Big 12, certainly. Big Ten baseball? I I can't think of one time their teams got to Omaha. Maybe Michigan, like a few years ago? I think I read a stat that, They hadn't had a team go to Omaha since, like, Ohio State in the 60s? I mean, come on. Big Ten baseball. Oh, we won the Big Ten. Last year, Maryland beat Wake in the region in College Park. All the more reason for Wake Forest to be motivated to want to get back. That was last year. This is this year. And there's a reason why it's in Winston-Salem, and there's a reason why Wake Forest has a number one next to their name. But I do find it interesting. They're they're paired with the Tuscaloosa regional. Alabama should not be hosting. Bro, they they should not be hosting. I, I mean, all these SEC teams. Maybe it was the same people from the basketball selection committee that gave the SEC all these bids. The fact that Alabama is hosting and Campbell is not. Watch out for the two seed in that Tuscaloosa region <laughs> that Wake Forest is paired with I'm of course talking about Boston College yeah <laughs> yeah you heard it here first this is breaking news i might need the hip hop air horn for this uh Wake Forest is going to play Boston College Boston College in the Winston-Salem super regional <laughs> Next week, buckle up, Boston College. Buckle up. Oh man, the fat head might have to come back. Yo. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Drama. Drama. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about that. Boston College and Wake Forest for a super regional Boston for a trip College. to Omaha, hanging in the balance.
0: That's great.
3: And now the moment you've all been waiting for.
0: You're on the drive with Josh Graham. Believe
1: it or not, Elliot Cadeau reclassifying to Chapel Hill a year earlier for the 2023 class, and Caleb Love announcing he is transferring to Arizona. Not all the ACC basketball news that we've got today. We'll get to the other headline that is of note in just a bit. I just now realize tonight is the Ted Lasso series finale. A day or two after the Succession series finale, and I don't watch either of those shows. Not knocking them. Not a big TV show guy, but I did watch Barry, which had its series finale as well in the past week. So a lot of people are looking for new TV shows to love, but if you're looking for something to read that's local ahead of tonight's Ted Lasso finale you're hard-pressed to find something better than the headline, The Real Ted Lasso Lives in North Carolina. It was written by our friend Ethan Joyce. And Ethan, what I love about stories like this, I can ask you so many questions freely about this story, and you could share all the details you like about it, and it's not going to spoil the story one bit because of how thorough and detailed it is. There's so much to consume in this story at Salvation South. Dot com. But let's start here. Who is the real-life North Carolina Ted Lasso?
4: Josh, it's good to be back, first off. Um, secondly, the real Ted Lasso is a man named Vaughn Christian, who a couple months ago celebrated his 80th birthday. And uh, he was surprised with a, a a party that featured about 30 to 40 of his former App State soccer players um it was a room of a lot of 60 and 70 and you know uh Vaughn being the 80 year old but a lot of people that represented a a really bright really exciting really fun time in that athletics department and just a a part of that school's history that um just like Vaughn deserves to be preserved because
1: it wasn't just that he coached adapt state in the early 70s without any soccer coaching experience he thrived when he coached too like this was he was dominant right away how does that happen
4: yeah you know his approach and and um I'll tell you Vaughn is a is a really interesting guy to meet he's very selfless he doesn't like attention and I've gotten to know him a lot over these last I don't know, three or four years, because I've had this story just cooking in my brain forever. Um, but the way he did it was he, he just tried to lean on everybody he could and recognize that he was never going to be the smart guy in the room when it came to soccer. So when he was a student and he was coaching a, um, an intramural soccer team, he started learning from this guy named Mohammed Sabi, who was a, a grad student at Peabody College, which is where they were both going to get their degrees. And um, he leaned on this guy's knowledge. And, and that kind of set the course for his life of trusting other people to help teach him with soccer so he could convey what was a love of soccer and an interest in soccer and, and kind of help lead young men that he would coach and and so when he got to app the the thing that he saw as the most beneficial injection was a very intense cardio program um a, a lot of structure when it came to summer workouts and really just trying to be a supportive figure in a bunch of guys lives and let them kind of find themselves on the field and he'll tell you when he started at app state you know, in comparison to, to how his tenure ended at App State, the, the talent level was so drastically different by the time he finished. But those first those first couple seasons featured a lot of hardworking guys that really invested in what he was trying to do. And I mean, like you said, he, he really took off flying with that program.
1: And he was there for such a long time. Did you get a chance to talk to other App State luminaries about him, like Jerry Moore or even Mac Brown or any of these types that were kind of, when they arrived, working alongside him in a sense? Scott Satterfield also comes to mind.
4: You know, so that's what's funny about his tenure. While he was with App State for a really long time, he was only the soccer coach for um, seven years, yep. essentially, like seven seven seasons. And so – he was this figure around the greater university community, but um, he very much, uh, and that's what I find really interesting about Vaughn too, is he was never interested in being a career coach. Um, As you know, being a coach of any kind wasn't very lucrative at that point in time in, uh, in college athletics, you know? And so he was really focused on being a teacher and that's what he wanted to do. And soccer was a vehicle to teach people for a long time. Um, but yeah, when he, he, he was there from 71 to 77 as the soccer coach and he just stepped into the background and was part of the, the phys ed department for, you know, I think it was about thir- 25 years cause he retired in the early, early 2000s. So he's, I don't know if he ever got a lot of interactions with some of those other coaches that came afterward. Um, but there are a lot of people that think a lot of Vaughn Christian around that university. It's
1: really cool. The real life Ted Lasso lives in North Carolina, salvation, The story at by Ethan Joyce on Twitter, Ethan Joyce joining the show. So you covered App State for, for a while, for years. So you said this was kind of in, in your head for a while. How did you stumble across this story?
4: Well, it, it's, it's funny. I'll, I'll try to keep it as trimmed down. Cause it's, it's a little elaborate, but, um, It was during the World Cup in 2018, America wasn't playing. And so I was trying to digest just anything I could about soccer. And I I listened to this podcast called American Fiasco. And American Fiasco is about the 90s in in US soccer and essentially how we we really mishandled a very talented generation of soccer players. a main character in that podcast was a guy named Hank Stein- Steinbrecher, And you find out at the end of the podcast that he got a real start of his career as App State soccer coach. Uh, and so I was the beat writer at the time. I'm listening to this bonus episode of this podcast. And um, it was uh Stephen Duffner of, of Freakonomics fame was the guest and he was talking about being a student at App State and, them just having this like very international high flying offense. And so my head like almost popped off of my body because I was like, I've never heard about this before. Um, and so when I started looking into this, it was like 2018 and I was really fixated on a guy named Thompson Usian who was, uh, who is still the NCAA all-time leading goal scorer. He went to App State. Oh, wow. um, and I, at first I thought it was going to be a story on Thompson. And then I learned about Von Christian and how Vaughn Christian kind of set the table for Hank Steinbrusher. And I went and met Vaughn at his house, and I left thinking, like, this is a story about this guy. Wow. Um, and so that was 2018. And then you get kind of caught in all these other things that goes on with being a beat writer, and you, you have this big idea on the back burner, and you have it, and you have it, and you try to research it, and you add a little bit here and there. But when 20, 2023 rolled around, and I wasn't in journalism, um, I was thinking... I think I can take this story on now because I have free time. Um, And I just got really lucky that Vaughn was willing to talk to me. I think we talked about essentially two months worth of Sundays, just kind of going through his seven, seven seasons at app. Um, And I got really lucky that when I started texting people again, they said, well, it's funny you bring it up because we're doing an 80th birthday party for him and Uh, you should come. uh, And it just fell into my lap.
1: Wow. So check out the story. It's fantastic. Salvation, SalvationSouth.com, the real Ted Lasso lives in North Carolina ahead of tonight's series finale. The most important question is the last one. I only
4: got about 30 seconds. Does he know about the show Ted Lasso? He's familiar with it. I don't think he's an avid watcher. Um, <laughs> but, you know, at the, the, the idea for that headline, I think, came from that party because, you know, like there were all these people giving these speeches about him and someone said at the end of theirs, He's the real Ted Lasso. You guys know that, right? Like he is the real Ted Lasso. Yeah. Um, And that just sticks in your head.
1: Love it. It's fantastic. And it's good to see you. It's good to hear your voice, Ethan. Great work on this story. Happy to help promote it and share it to our audience. Thanks again for coming on with us.
0: Appreciate it, brother.
3: Always. Places, everyone. Come on, places, please. We're ready.
0: Get your morning off to a great start with Jeffrey Griffin on Triad Today. Weekday mornings at 7. Now back to the drive with Josh Graham.
1: I'm not even going to ask WD. If he knows the bit I'm talking about here, because he just told me a few minutes ago he doesn't know who NWA is. By the way, we've got NWA wrestling tickets we're going to be giving away in about 15 minutes. But there was an old SNL sketch, one of the most iconic SNL sketches ever that featured Christopher Walken. You know, the I need more cowbell bit with uh, Fear the Reaper, Will Ferrell, the entire deal. But my favorite to- my favorite moment of that SNL sketch was not anything having to do with needing more cowbell or, you know, all the stuff that Will Ferrell was doing, gyrating his body and making that entertaining. No, no, no. My favorite line was when Christopher Walken said, I need you to explore the space. Explore the space. And that's what I need here, to explore the space. A little bit of time to unpack, My Memorial Day yesterday because it is time for story time where some things happen, and it's a Memorial Day I'm not going to forget for quite some time because rain, WD, it wreaked havoc across the sports weekend that we saw the last few days. The ACC baseball tournament had to go split sites on Saturday afternoon. Fortunately, after things were postponed a little bit on Sunday, Clemson, your ACC baseball champs in Durham, The Coca-Cola 600. 600. That was pushed back to yesterday. Shout out to Ryan Blaney. The uh, Doobies concert on Sunday was canceled at Charlotte Motor Speedway. But yesterday, WD, I was here in the office knocking out some work. And Tom Hamilton, our general manager, and myself, we are both the owners of small dog puppies. They're small dogs and they're puppies. They're both incredibly cute. So we decided we were going to head out to uh, Tangle Tanglewoof, they call it. That is Tanglewood Park, but they have a dog park that's adjacent to it called Tanglewoof. It's a created name. We get out that way. This is probably around 2.30 in the afternoon, 3 o'clock. And I had gotten a text message notification on my phone that the power was out at my house or on my street. And that's all I really knew about it. So then I go to walk the dog and I'm looking at the weather app, various television stations that are telling me there's a 30% chance of rain at around five o'clock. But now it's pushing close to about seven o'clock. The rain's going to come. So this is like at 2.30, three o'clock in the afternoon. And I wonder when me and Tom rolled up, if the place was open, there was not one dog at the dog park. Not one. Memorial Day. There could be a lot of dogs there. So it's me, Tom, Willow the dog, and his dog, Jack. And we get out there, and 15 minutes into us being out there, downpour. Absolute downpour. So we're having to leave. I get back to my home, out of power. I'm thinking, okay, I'll give Willow the dog the bath. We'll see when the power gets back. We'll take a nap, and it's going to be great. So then at around 5.30, 6 o'clock, power's still not back. And I learned... Like, a power line is down near downtown Winston-Salem. I'm out of power. And I'm thinking, okay, well, it's about dinner time. Sarah Bradford gets home. We cook dinner in the dark. And then we eat it on one of our steps while there's still, you know, some light out. We were eating out on our porch on our patio area. And I'm thinking, okay, well, surely the power is going to be back by the time that this Game 7 takes place, right? Wrong. So then I go to a local sports bar. Not gonna say the name because they're not a sponsor of this station. You can be if you want to, though. And we go out there and I'm sitting at the, you know, sitting at the bar watching this game, nursing a couple of blue moons, and the game's a blowout. And I'm thinking, surely by the time I get back, there, there's gonna be power at my home. There isn't. So what's the solution? Me and the missus make a trip out to Lowe's, late night trip to Lowe's on Memorial Day, get a lantern. An actual lantern that I then do prep for the radio show with via lantern. That's the only light in my house. Lantern on Memorial Day doing prep for today's show. I'm just picturing you walking
2: around your house holding up a lantern like you're in a western movie. So what is the
1: funniest part of this story? (laughs) What's the funniest part? Is it the weather folks? Telling us that there's not gonna be any rain until six, seven o'clock, and then there being a downpour fifteen minutes post three o'clock after us arriving? Or the fact I didn't get power in my house until about one thirty in the morning, having to go to Lowe's and get a lantern, or having to watch game seven at a sports bar while wearing like shorts and a and a hoodie and a hat. It's definitely the lantern. Okay. That's the best part of the story. <laughs> 336 While we're talking story time, Joey in Thomasville says he has a story involving Las Vegas. Do I have this right, Joey?
3: Well, yeah. I, I called you last week, uh, Josh. I told you I was making my first trip Oh,
1: that's right. To you told us you're going to Vegas for the first time.
3: I forgot for what we told you to best ever, bet on. Tell me something good. And, and let me tell you something, brother. Everything was with me, man. I did the first time ever out there. And brother, I did very well. I did great. I mean, first night out. I mean, they, it was like I was a high roller. I'm not a big time gambler. I'm not. You know, I'm not betting high stakes or anything like that. But I'm telling you what, I called you know my wife. I like give me a number on the roulette wheel. Bam, it hits. I keep playing. I hit. I mean, the the odds are. I, I hit four more numbers. Hold on one second. The are gosh, you like up, Robert buddy. Redford? An indecent
1: proposal? Like? And your, wife and your wife in this instance, is Demi Moore
3: telling you the right number? Is this what's happening? It, it must be, man, because everybody was high-fiving. So again, I, I do really well at the roulette wheel. Then I head over to three-card poker, and I come this close to hitting the jackpot. I hit the 10-jack uh, queen of spades. I needed the queen-king ace, but it still paid out a heck of a lot of money. And it was just i mean people were gathered around high-fiving i mean it was the time of my life it's had a fantastic time we went we played one of the most beautiful golf courses i've ever played cascada and i was there with my buddy and here he and here was the trade off he had no luck in the, no luck at all in the casinos none i had all the luck in casinos we go play golf and the guy killed it i mean this is a tough golf course beautiful golf course never played it before and my golf game isn't what it used to be I shot 95 he shot 84 oh my which gosh I was absolutely I got amazing. an important question you've had
1: a great time in Vegas your first time out there how many days were you out there Joey
3: uh, we left out we got there Thursday around lunchtime and we left out late Sunday
1: see there you go it's it's always I, people who tell me they have great stories in Vegas it's three days or less. The people who tell yeah. me they don't have great times in Vegas, it's more than three <laughs> days. So high roller Joey in Thomasville. Get, let's, let's, uh, let's reward Joey with a J.C. Horn drop that's well-deserved. That yes, send me that cash Hey, can out, I family. say one
3: more thing? I say one more thing. Yeah, real quickly, oh. what do you got? NWA, brother, you're not old enough to remember. NWA is—I mean, that—that that is synonymous with wrestling. That is where Ric Flair guy is going. That is the days of Tony Allen. Crockett Johnny Cup,
4: Weaver.
1: I know. I'm—I'm I'm aware Crockett Cup and all that. Okay. But when you think NWA, you probably I, there is another thing to think of too. There is another thing never, to think I've of. I've
3: Never heard of that group in rapping. I'm not—I'm not. That's I'm wider than you are. Okay. Understand? But, well. But, <laughs> Right,
1: right yeah, I didn't know that was possible. All right, thanks. But there goes Joey and Thomasville. Successful weekend in Vegas. I'm not now, sure. This is not me disparaging NWA. I mean, by goodness, we're giving away tickets in just a bit. It's going to be fantastic. You got Billy Corgan involved in it. I'm a huge Matching Pumpkins fan, so That is really cool. Um, so it's awesome. But the fact that you don't know about the other NWA, it's a. I really don't know what to do with that. I still don't. It might be one of those cases where I
2: know one of their songs or several of their songs. I just don't know NWA. You don't know their
1: association with the police, it doesn't sound like. I don't know that. Uh huh. <laughs> I don't know that. I, people in the audience, they do know. And I remember <laughs> when I got a ticket one time, one of the few times I ever got a ticket, my brother was to blame. Josh, uh, you're only going 10 over. They're not going to pull you for anything over 15. Go 14. Over. And then, like five minutes later, I got pulled. We're in Texas. So it's your brother's fault. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Got it. And I'm in my '98 Ford Explorer. Officers walking away, and my brother thought it would be funny to play a song that NWA has associated with the police department. That the uh, the off that the officer didn't. He he looked back, but he got back in his car. Is this Bad Boys? The cops theme? No, <laughs> it's not. This is not chick or Tail Feather. Oh. WD. You're making it worse. Just stop digging. Please stop digging.
3: The Drive with Josh
0: Graham, only on WSJS. Turny opens up on a Tuesday. 20,000 fans, estimated loose loosely. Turny opens up on a Tuesday. 20,000 fans, number estimated loosely. Turny opens up on a Tuesday. It is Tuesday.
1: And we are thinking about college basketball as Hayes Permar joins us to play skips or plays with Hayes. Permar, which headline are you more excited about? Caleb Love transferring to Arizona knowing that there is a date Arizona has at Cameron Indoor Stadium next year, or North Carolina having its first five-star recruit since Caleb Love, Walker Kessler, and De'Ron Sharp a few years ago, and Elliot Cadeau, who... Brendan Marks, among others, is calling the best passing point guard North Carolina's had since Kendall Marshall. Which one moves the needle for you more?
5: Uh, give me Cadeau. Give me the uh, what might be rather than what already was. Um, I mean, to be honest, Caleb Love doesn't intrigue me as much because he's going to Arizona. And yeah, it is cool they've got a game uh, at Duke. But like, what? I feel like it's going to go two ways with Caleb Love. Either He's going to be like buried in Arizona and not even play, or he's going to like ball out and shoot forty-five percent from three and score twenty-eight points per game. It's going to be one of those two, either boom or bust. But no, I'm more intrigued by the guy coming in, Cadeau. Um, you know, uh, I love five, I love hearing five stars playing in the triangle. I wish we had. I was lamenting with Brian guysker this the other day. I wish we had the freaking pro-am like we used to back oh, in the day.
1: The one that so John Wall could, and LeBron would just show up to?
5: Yeah. And uh, and Raymond Felton would play when he was fat because he, cause he uh, was during the lockout and he didn't think there was going to be an NBA season. Or Rashid Wallace would come and like not even run down the court. On Did you sessions. see the
1: picture of Raymond Felton that circulated last week? Did you see that picture?
5: Yes. I think this is what prompted it because we were talking about Raymond Felton. Ray Felton's
1: gotten fat. really large. Like I'm not saying, like, for a basketball player, standard large. I'm just saying normal standard. You'd be like, in any context, that is a large human being. He got really large.
5: That picture is exactly what prompted this conversation, because then we were like, "Do you remember seeing Ray Felton during the lockout when he was still an NBA player, Uh and he got so big for an NBA player at that time that you could see he had this in him. So like, even though it is large, those of us who are watching saw like, oh, he's got, he's got big people genes in his family, and like, he's got the ability to get big, and, and that he did.
1: Okay, if you played pickup with Ray Felton today, what's the score of that game to
5: 11? Uh, he's still killing me. Are you scoring? I mean, maybe, but doubtful. Ray Felton It's going to look like Denzel.
1: It's going to look like Denzel versus Ray Allen and he got game. You might get a few yeah, baskets yeah. off him, but he's he's still going to get his.
5: Yes, although uh, Ray Felton would love to look like Denzel and he got game right now except for the knee brace. Ray Felton maybe has better knees. Ray You're Felton Denzel in
1: this tallest. circumstance.
5: Oh yeah, that's right. Ray Felton was the tallest guy on his high school team. Uh, and he was like what six one maybe six two, and they played Broughton High School when Shavlik was you know six foot ten and playing for them. Now granted, he was a couple years younger. I want to say maybe not, maybe they were the same age. But Ray Felton guarded Shavlik, even though he was you know giving up eight inches. And uh, I feel like I I'm, I I don't want to come out and say dominated, but I, I, I'm pretty sure Ray Felton's team won. And part of it was his ability to guard a man that was eight inches taller than him and still do a pretty effective job. He can still bottle me up uh, even at at this state.
1: Hey, Spermar is with us here. And you're also a North Carolina expert at figuring out which teams can claim guys or which area can claim guys. I don't remember what your rulings were on Russell Wilson and Kyrie Irving, respectively, but I do remember that Webb Simpson... You said that Raleigh claims him first, even though he got his first win in Greensboro and is a Wake Forest guy and lives off you know, uh, Quail Hollow in Charlotte because he grew up in Raleigh and went to the same school you did, the one that you just mentioned, Broughton High out that way. Given last night, Caleb Martin dropping nearly 30 points, Davie County's own, who then went to NC State, who was cut by the Charlotte Hornets before becoming a member of the Miami Heat. Who gets to claim Caleb Martin?
5: I think the Pack can claim him. Didn't he play two years in NC State?
1: Yeah, but then Mark Godfrey was worried they were going to lose Maverick Rowan, so he let the Martin twins go to Nevada. Stop.
5: That's not it. That's not true. Stop. (laughs) You don't mean that. Um, He's turned into a modern-day Danny Green, right? Like, he's going to make a bunch of money, and I'll bet – or even – he, he does similar things to Danny Green, but why does not Davy
1: County J. get to claim
5: him? PJ Tucker, same thing. Like picking up these guys. Look, NC State fans should be all in on the Miami Heat. You got Caleb Martin, Omer oh, is wow. down there on the bench. You seen him? Yeah.
1: Well, the triad, the him. triad should claim. You know, and the then, Heat because you got Bam bio who went to High Point well, Christian.
5: Bam bio is from like. Beaufort County, North Carolina. Little Washington. L- Little Washington. But I think he's. I think he maybe went. Was even is even from a smaller town than that. But he uh, and he didn't he get some uh, didn't he get NC State some recruiting violations. They yeah. definitely get to claim Van bio. <laughs>
1: Yeah, NC State getting the claim. That's interesting. All right, now let's get to uh, Skips her Plays with Hayes, which WD tells me is NBA Finals theme.
0: Hayes Permar is somewhat of a renaissance man, an expert in the finer things. But he hangs his hat on music. Loves his God, and he's the friend of Satan. He was like '06, getting busy with his sticks. Been watching Big mic and Little trick and Trip. I just need a Zion and someone he can dunk on. Today, Hayes will decide if this music is smash or trash, glows or blows. It's time for Skips or Plays with Hayes.
1: Okay, how is this final theme? What are you going to do here?
2: So, we're going to get an artist... That's Denver
1: themed. Oh,
2: we're going to get an artist that's Florida Miami themed. Yeah. And then because, you know, you do have the NHL Stanley Cup finals coming up here. You already hit Florida with the Miami one. So Vegas. we're just going to go right into Vegas. Vegas baby, Vegas. Okay, who's up first? We're going to get a little John Denver here. Thank God I'm a country boy.
4: Will life on the farm is kind of led back and- I don't sack,
1: care what Permar says. Seventh inning stretch. Boy. Every Oriole game, life, they play this song. What do
5: you, mean you don't care my what Permar says. This is country is country my game. skip the plays, with hey, you have to care what I say. Unfortunately, <laughs> I'm a humongous John Denver fan. I love John Denver, and I love this song better than Take Me Home, Country Roads. This is a fantastic song underrated song grandma's feather bed don't sleep on grandma's feather bed i love it Uh, it's a huge play i also think it's a little cheap that a denver themed song is just john denver but that's fine we'll take it
1: i think that's a stage name i think he moved to colorado and changed his last name to denver i think that qualifies no
5: uh, is that really what happened?
1: I, I honestly think that's what happened. Let me look that up as we get the next song. I could be dead wrong on that. What's the next thing you have for me? All right, the Florida theme. When I'm
2: really curious of Hayes' opinion of this song. We're going to go low by Flo Rida.
1: <laughs> I don't know why this song makes me laugh. It's probably because Tom Cruise and Tropic Thunder. <laughs> that's probably why. But, man, I wasn't ready for this.
5: Um I, I gotta say I'm not that big a Flow Rider fan, so like when you announced the theme, I was trying to think what it might be. I was ready for Will Smith, welcome to Miami. And when you said Flow rider, I was like, ah, this probably be a uh, skip, but song kind of bumps and I kinda like the beat, so I'm gonna go ahead and give it a play. Hey!
4: hey it's Burma. And I got this right.
1: John Denver's real name was Henry John Duschendorf. That's and- not true. No, this is true. Multiple stories no, have confirmed this, and he not, said when he was 20, true. he changed his name to John Denver after his favorite state's capital. That's true.
5: Not, that's not true. Henry whatever John
1: Duschendorf.
5: Whatever you're reading that is made up. It's not true.
1: Yeah, the Colorado Virtual Library, home of fake news. Get out of here with that. <laughs> okay, what's the last one we have here? Two for two on plays. What's the last thing? So apparently Panic at the Disco is from
2: Vegas. And so we're going to go High Hopes.
1: Oh. Really? We're going Last Five Years Panic? A lot of people don't like this song. No, a lot of people don't like Panic of the last five years.
5: Nah, this is a, this is a hard skip. 100%. Um, it's, uh, this song's no good. And there's got to be a better Vegas-themed song than this. So, they,
1: they have a song um, that they play season. after goals when they score called Vegas nights I think at nights games
5: now big, big old skip
1: hey, man. which is perfect I mean Vegas nights is the name of the song NIGHTS for the Vegas Golden Knights I almost went Viva Las Vegas
5: what I like that one that might have gotten to play yeah,
1: maybe I mean that it needless to say that segment or that end had high hopes. Didn't really turn out well. Hayes, on the way out, it looks like uh, we're on the finish line. We're at the finish line here for North Carolina legal sports betting in this state. Can we expect a sports book to open up in your new spot, the Rialto? How big do you think uh, legal sports betting is for this state?
5: Based on the number of people that have asked me that exact question, it's probably something I should be considering. Based on what I believe to be the price of a gambling license, is if I've seen the bill correctly, I don't think it's going to happen.
1: Okay, how big of a deal do you think this being passed is, really?
5: Um, it's a moderately big deal. Like because relates to the party, people kind of have an idea of what it looks like. I, I'd, I'd have to sit down and look at the data to decide, like what state I think we might be comparable to. Like it's not going to be, um, you know, some I'll put it this way. Our teachers ain't going to be getting a 10% raise, okay? The, the, there will be some modest amount of tax revenue, but um, I don't think North Carolina by its nature is a state that has a ton of gambling. So like, you go and look at some other states, and like I said, I don't have it in front of me. But if I did, I'd, I'd say, all right, I, I think if that's what this state did in its first couple years, I think North Carolina would be around that that level.
1: We've covered a lot of ground on this segment, from Henry John Dusendorf Jr. to, you know, talking about Caleb His name Martin.
5: Is John Denver. I don't know why. Fat maybe Ray like, Felton. Um, maybe he's like Garth Brooks, and and that Dusendorf guy is Chris Gaines. It's like a <laughs> fake backstory, but John Denver's the actual person.
1: Thanks for doing this, Hayes. We'll talk to you next week.
5: See you guys.